Welcome to a special edition of the Macworld Podcast, recorded at our Macworld Live stage at San Francisco's Macworld iWorld Show. As part of these podcasts, you'll hear interviews with some of the best and brightest in the Apple industry. Thanks for tuning in. Right. So here we are, last day of Macworld iWorld. And uh, as this tells you up above our heads, and those of you listening on the podcast, you cannot see that, but it says, Ask the Editors. And sitting here on the Macworld iWorld stage are the editors of Macworld, many of them. And this is your opportunity to ask us questions. Uh, if you would like to uh, phrase them in the form of a question and rather than an accusation, we would appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, I will introduce myself. I'm Chris Breen from Macworld. And to my right is... Dan Frakes. To Dan's right. Serenity Caldwell. Dan Miller. The last Dan. Dan Morin. And I'm not Dan. I'm Jason Snell. The last Dan standing. The last Dan. They're not, none of them are standing. None of them are standing. Right. So if you're listening at home, we're actually all sitting because we're exhausted. Um, so the format of this really is, as in years past, that you are welcome to step up to the microphone, ask us questions about what we do, what we think, what we eat. Um, and just no troubleshooting. How do we, just don't ask us to fix your Mac. Yeah, today. we're not going to fix your stuff for you today. Um, I, should, I should tell you sort of our positions. Uh, editor, editor, editor. Big editor. Big editor. 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 Uh, editor. All of us have the phrase editor in our title. Right, so we're all editors, and that's why you may ask us things. So is there anyone <laughs> who'd like to ask us things? Oh, well, There's please use the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the microphone. go to the microphone. Test one, two. Okay. Yes. Well, yes. thank you all for being here and uh, taking our questions. Thank you. So I'm not yet a Mac person. I grew up in the PC world and in the corporate environment, so I've been a PC user. Now I'm semi-retired, and I'm looking to get into owning a tablet like an iPad or something like that. So I, before I invest in an iPad, and the, one of the things I like about it is the aspect ratio compared to the others, but my main consideration, and I'd like you all to share it if you could, is I'm not into GarageBand or games. You know, I like to consume information, and I like productivity, and I like access to international information, getting information out. I'm probably going to do a blog. So I'm interested in understanding, from my standpoint, what a Mac ecosystem has to offer me compared to the other rising ecosystems, which include, say, the Google system or the Amazon system, I guess it's Google Play, and a few of the others. So if you could address that, I would appreciate it. I don't know if anybody would be interested in that. Yeah. I, I, any number of people might be interested. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. so uh, did I, can, uh, can you say your name really quickly? I'm, <laughs> I'm James. James, great. So, uh, James, I'm sure we can all address various uh, facets of that question, but the number one thing I would recommend to you, as a former Apple Store employee, the folks at the Apple Store are really, really helpful about walking you through exactly what would be right for you, whether or not that ends up being an Apple product. They're not overly pushy. They don't work on commission, and they have lots and lots of answers for very specific things. I think we can address it broadly, but I would definitely recommend to stop by your local Apple store. Just ask them a few questions, even if you have no plans on buying anything. They're there to sort of help and, and listen to you. 
Um, do you guys have other, other thoughts on, on James's question? Well, Dan, you live in... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Please be, <laughs> That's Please be more specific. Dan. Select your Dan, Dan carefully. Third, yeah. Dan. Third, Dan, from Third Dan, you live in a lot of different worlds, right? With a, you use a lot of different devices. Fantastic and... worlds, imaginary <laughs> worlds. <laughs> world of the imagination. Um, yeah, I use, a, I use a, a, a Mac, an iPad, an iPhone. I think the biggest thing for me that I find that the, uh, the iPad has to offer is really, and you mentioned the word ecosystem, I think that's what it comes down to, is that uh, compared to a lot of the, especially the tablet offerings, I think we've seen a lot of smartphones from Android that are very, very good, um, but I think the tablet market on Android has been much slower to develop. Uh, and I think a big part of what the uh, iOS ecosystem has to offer is software. Um, there are tons and tons of apps on the App Store, and, the, and while you may not be into games or uh, you know, the like, GarageBand, iLife, Entertainment, that stuff, there's so much stuff that's on there that runs the gamut from productivity to utilities, and so much of it is really well made because there's a passionate developer community behind it. Um, and a lot of that is because the ecosystem is so successful, so there's a bit of a recursive loop going on there. I think Android has had a lot more of a struggle building a very cohesive and deep catalog of software that runs on its devices. And at this point, most software developers are still writing software first for iOS and then maybe porting to Android as an afterthought. Especially on tablets. Especially on the tablets, yeah, yeah because they, uh, Apple has taken a lot of time to optimize their tablet experience, whereas I, I think those of my colleagues who've used some Android tablets would probably agree that a lot of the Android tablet software feels like big phone apps that aren't really thought about like for how do you make this specifically for a tablet. Um, and so not only on the software side, but also on the hardware side, I would say there's probably a lot more development in the uh, iPad accessory market than there is for Android tablets. Uh, and oftentimes those are a lot of things. You get a lot of first-party accessories there, but I don't think you see the same kind of vibrant uh, ecosystem for hardware accessories. Dan Franks, you probably speak to that a little bit better. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I, I think, like Dan said, on the phone side, the competition is much closer, both on the app side and just the development of devices and hardware. On the tablet side, I think Apple still has a pretty sizable lead in terms of the developer community, the number of apps, the, um, the, the ecosystem, the hardware that can go with it. Uh, and right now, Apple has a much bigger lead when it comes to the tablet than it does in the phone market, I think. Yeah, if all you want to do is watch videos and read books, I think the Kindle Fires are actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but if you want to do more things, be more productive... Um, you know, searching the web, reading RSS, um, you know, looking at the New York Times app, all, all of sorts of these things. The, the app, the tablet apps on the iOS platform are richer. They're not just more of them, but they're richer. They're more carefully designed. Only recently has Android done a, a better job of encouraging tablet-specific app development. There's still sort of an auto-layout kind of approach to a lot of it. So... And a lot of the apps for Android tablets really do feel like big phone apps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, it's better than it used to be, but it it's is. still, I, right. I mean, it's still a platform that you kind of can't take screen size for granted at all. And so a lot of things are sort of auto layout. And although there are now some that are tablet, yikes, tablet auto layout, the fact is that um, it's not, yeah, they, they, a huge number of iPad apps are made by people who are sweating every pixel of the design. They're worried about the interaction, and it just it feels very, very different. But I think everybody here would probably agree that the, the gap between Apple on, and its competitors on the tablet is a lot further 
than it is, you know, it's, it's narrowed on the phone, but it's not that narrow on the tablet. Yeah. And yeah, I think in the case of when in, in the old days when you were comparing a Mac to a PC, particularly if you're in a vertical market, meaning very specific kind of like I need dentistry apps or I need some restaurant applications, that kind of thing, that people say, well, you have to get a PC because Windows allows that because the market is so huge, you can still make money there. In the case of the iOS devices, I, how many apps are on the App Store now? Uh, Over one million. Hundreds of yeah. thousands. Yeah. It can't be counted. Right. So, I mean, there's so many that vertical market has been addressed as well. And so pretty much anything you're looking for on a mobile device can be found in in the App Store and maybe there rather than Android. So it's kind of flipped in that way that Apple's just, if you're looking for anything, you're going to find it on on the App Store. Maybe it's on Android. Maybe it's going to come to Android. Or as some have pointed out, yeah, it's on Android, but it was really designed for the phone. And they just went And that's not always a pleasant experience. One other point, you mentioned productivity, and I don't know how important that is to you. You might have heard that Microsoft just released Office for the iPad. I may be in a minority here. I personally am not a huge fan of heavy text input on the iPad still. I know you can get external keyboards. It's just I'm not, if I'm really writing, if I'm really doing a lot of stuff, I'm still, but a lot of people feel very comfortable doing it and are very happy using it that way. Um, I happen to prefer a laptop for that kind of thing. You're very welcome. Another question? If so, step up to the microphone, certainly. Hi, my, my name's Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi, Alan. Alan. Anyway, you'll feel like uh, start 12 steps here. Yep. Anyway, at the, um, We're in a safe place. At the keynote, um, the question came up of um, was, how, how might Apple develop a, large, a larger format phone? And I was curious that no one seemed to suggest... Basing, basing the design on an iPad mini, um, basically adding phone function to it. The idea there, as you mentioned, in terms of, for example, for developers, having to deal with another aspect ratio becomes, becomes a problem to, to doing things well. So I'd like to ask your, your comments about, as I say, basing a, a, uh, a future large, fo- quote, large phone, unquote, on the iPad mini. Well, not to get too technical and get everything into into oh, morass here. Oh, please. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> Do it. Quite a few uh, apps, and Apple has really been pushing app developers and its own apps to work on what's called auto layout, which allows, it's kind of like what responsive design is in the web, where if you have a big screen and then you slowly shrink it down, the elements move and resize themselves and fit themselves into the proper angle. So there are quite a few um, iOS apps that have been built using auto layout. And having a, uh, having a larger screen is really going to only affect those people who have been building concrete layouts for each individual size. In terms of basing it on the iPad mini versus basing it on the iPhone or anything like that, I mean, the iPad mini is an essential, you know, essentially a hybrid iPhone, iPad in terms of the design. You're talking about primarily, depending on what the rumored screen size is going to be, whether or not we're going to have popovers or straight buttons. Um, there's funny stories about when Steve Jobs and the iPhone crew were first testing the first iPhone, eliminating a side swipe out menu on the iPhone because they're like four inches is or 3.5 inches. Yeah, yeah, 3.5 inches is too small to do a slide out. So 3.5 is four inches, still a little small. Might five inches be too small to start seeing popovers and slide outs? Either way, um, 
whatever you feel, I'm sure the folks at Apple are busy testing that. And they do have, as you said, they have all of those resources available to them in, uh, in the iPad. My prediction is that Apple is still so concerned. I think scaling down the iPad is a problem because uh, the iPad mini is already kind of pushing it. Um, if I had to predict, I would probably say that they will have, if, if they do a larger phone, they will also still have a, what we would consider a kind of current size, a smaller phone. My guess is that they'll be the same resolution. Yeah. Um, and one will have a higher DPI than the other, but they'll be the same resolution. And so like with the iPad mini and the iPad, which have the same number of dots, they're just smaller and closer together on the iPad mini. That's my guess. So that you'll have an iPhone layout and an iPad layout, and it won't matter that they're two devices with different screen sizes because they both are the same number of dots. And maybe it'll be a higher resolution screen than we currently have on the iPhone, but my guess is that the the aspect ratio will be consistent just because Apple Apple tries really hard to reduce the amount of fiddliness that developers have to do. Yeah, even with auto layout, can only do so much. You know, obviously, <coughs> if you use auto layout going from, say, a, an iPhone to an iPad, like, that you end well, up with the, the sort Android of the Android problem. problem. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that, you know, the iPad mini is somewhere between the iPad mini and the iPhone and probably closer to the iPhone than the iPad mini uh, is what we're looking at for a larger screen size. I agree that the, uh, the uh, you know, it's, that they'll likely keep something at the current screen size that we already have and it makes sense because every other Apple device that you look at has multiple screen sizes pretty much you know yeah. you get you get your MacBook Air in 11 or 13 you get your MacBook Pro in 15 or 13 you get your iMac in 21 or 27 you get your, your iPad in a mini size or a full size so it kind of makes sense for them to keep the current size which I think a lot of people like it's it's small it's easy to pocket um, but there is an advantage to some having larger screens and there are probably some people who would prefer that but I agree with Jason that the uh, you know the size is not going to change too much because they don't want to have to have developers designing for four different resolutions. Well, how many size Samsung phones are there? Right, all the sizes, all of them. Right, quite a few sizes. <laughs> one to one point one pixel to up to about twenty seven inches. I think. I mean, and Apple's not going there, right? You've seen people with these enormous things that are on slapped onto the side of their face. You know, that look like waffle irons or something, and. And using them as phones, and it's not like somebody's taking an iPad mini, but rather it's just like this enormous phone. And I know there are people that really like to have that extra screen real estate, but I think you just look silly. You know, I mean, not as silly as if you're wearing Google Glass, but nearly so. (laughs) Sliding scale, Chris, sliding scale. My point was basically, when it gets that large, you can't do this. You've got to use either speaker or headphones or or whatever. And And that's why I was thinking... If you just added some function to the mini and then a few other tweaks. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, in many many ways, your iPad mini is almost as good as an iPhone, right? You can get a cellular networking plan. You can do FaceTime audio or FaceTime video. Uh, It doesn't have an earpiece, but it has a microphone. Um, And, you know, if you really want to hold an iPad mini up to your head, you can totally do that. It's not going to do much for you. It doesn't fit in my pocket. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's it's still, it's a little large. It's a little large. I think we all agree. Right, and plus you're fighting, you know, thousands of years of, of evolution, you know, where the cavemen of old, you know, learned this gesture, uh, you know, putting a seashell to their a, ear, and then eventually a we adapted to rock, rock, you know, sometimes this thing. And so, you know, you've got this big device, you, you're going to, you know, you put an eye out that way. So, uh, another, there, actually, another, there was a, oh, there was a young man over here, here who a, had a, uh, yeah, a little, big little guy, there you are. We're going to have plenty of time to get to everybody's questions. 
Come on up. Ooh, he has an escort. <laughs> oh, Mike Holder. Mike Caddy. Oh, yes, you can take the... Oh, there you go. Hey, he's a step ahead of you. Thank you, though. I've been going to Macworld for, like, seven years, and for the last six years, there were, like, a lot of video game developers, and this year, there are, like, no game developers. Why? That, that is a that really is a good, good question. question. Yeah. Very that is a great observation. So my answer to that would be that GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference, yeah. was in San Francisco, I think, just two last weeks week. ago. Last, last week. week. Last, week yeah. last week. So I imagine that while the game developers love Macworld and they love showing off all their cool iOS games, and by the way, have you played Threes? Because it's super addicting. <laughs> what are you, a pusher? Um, yeah, here we go. <laughs> I think... By and large, iOS developers or iOS game developers want to focus on developing games. And while they like hanging out in San Francisco, paying for two booths and going to two conferences back to back might have been a little difficult for them. Well, also, also, I mean, gaming on the Mac or on Apple devices used to be a sort of niche thing. And of course, oh, we make a Mac game, so let's go to Macworld. But gaming on the Mac, especially gaming on iOS, has become an industry. And so GDC has sort of been where they've all migrated to because they're now they're now real game developers, and so they go to the game gaming conference. Yeah, there are a lot of gaming conferences, yeah. but whether it be GDC or uh, PAX or things like that, and I think part of it is also that the iOS gaming uh, it doesn't demo as well in some ways here in terms of like you hand over a phone to somebody to use it. I, I I don't I don't see a lot of iOS game developers. It is a shame that we don't see some of the Mac guys who are. Have, have done a lot of great work there, but I, I agree that some of them may be elsewhere. And some of it is just that they, you know, the market's very different. A lot of that market, especially for the iOS apps, comes through the store. So yeah. you don't need to necessarily send somebody to a conference to show your game when it's just as easy for them right. to browse Dis- through the store and download it right there. Discoverability is yeah. so much so dis- better now. Yeah, discoverability is not as much of an issue as it used to be. Yeah. Um, that said, it would be cool to see more game developers. I'm a fan. It's- yeah, because in, in a large extent... Um, you're gonna see, your friends are going to show you cool games, right? So you, you I mean, see, if they're worth, if they're good friends, yeah, if yeah, they're good friends. Yeah. Well, if they're bad friends, they're going to show you terrible games. <laughs> but if they're good friends, they'll show you threes, and then they'll direct you to Ren's article on how to play it and get a really big score. Um, because, don't tell your friends about it. So that way, you can read it, and they can't. A lot of the stuff you see here is really good, but these are sort of um, utilities that maybe you haven't heard about before. And a lot of times, particularly with, with, uh, with young people playing games, the, the way you learn about it is your, your friend plays it or you see a YouTube video about it. You say, wow, this is really cool. I want to play this game. So most of the time, you know, people who are in sort of that under 10 bracket don't need to go to a trade show, um, but rather just hang out and go, oh, Susie is playing this game, and I think it's awesome. In, in and short, we should probably be asking you what games you're playing. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> we're old and lame. <laughs> Except for Serenity, <laughs> who is young and is playing threes. All the time. All the time. On work hours, by the way. Um, another, another question? Please come up to the microphone. Yeah. And you can take the mic right off that microphone stand so that you don't have to jump up. There you yeah. go. What do you guys edit? <laughs> wow. What do we edit? That is, what do we edit? Existential Whoa, question. that is deep. You just blew well, my mind. <laughs> I'm a fraud. <laughs> yeah, Dan, what Some do you people, edit? Clearly you've been well, reading our stuff. 
Uh, let's let's go down the line, starting with Dan Franks. Well, I, I think it's interesting to say that people say editors. A lot of our job isn't editing; it's writing. So at MacWorld, we all do writing and editing, um, but then we all have our our topic areas too. So you, I um, I write a column called Mac Nine One One. And so I do the tips and troubleshooting stuff. So people write to me with questions about why doesn't this work, and I try to answer them um, and help them with their problems. So if something doesn't work correctly, I help them with that. And recently I started um, editing and, and writing some um, things for, the, um, for the, our playlist section, which is about cool stuff. It's like streaming music and, and movies and that sort of thing. And then... I also, along with Serenity, host our podcast. And so, in that, we rarely edit ourselves. No. But we talk about things like that, and all of us do videos. And basically, we have the coolest job in the world because <laughs> we get to play with really cool toys and we get to write about it. And people pay us for that. So, it, it's right. worth your while to become a good speller and a good writer. Because not only could you have a cool job like this, but it helps you in anything that you ever do in your whole life. So work hard. And, all right. Anyway, so. Dan, top You that. took all wow. my tips, Chris. I'm sorry. Man. It's the parent in me, so um, I'm done. I, I, like a lot of these people, I write about the Mac and iOS, but I also cover Mac gems, which are, I get to play with cool apps and try to find the best ones. And so if they're bad, I don't write about them. And if they're good, I get to tell other people and say, you should buy this, which is also a pretty cool job. Um, and I get to play with lots of iOS accessories and speakers and headphones and, and toys. And um, it's, yeah, it is a pretty good job. We're all very fortunate to be sitting up here. And what Chris said is right. The practice your writing. <laughs> be a good specific. writer. My, my daughter is, is starting to write, and we try to focus and tell her, like, you need to make sure you do this right. She's like, why does it matter? We're like, trust us. It matters. It matters. Later in life. Yeah. Um, I do kind of what Dan Frakes does, except I do it on the iOS side. So I like writing about cool iOS games and cool iOS apps that you may or may not have heard about, like Threes, because apparently now we're mentioning this as much as possible. Um, How much are they paying you? <laughs> no, I'm going to get you like back. a baseball jersey with a number three on the back. <laughs> I mean, my roller derby number is 33, so there you go. Um, you, why didn't you combine those into a no, six? There should be six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, three's humor. <laughs> now the trolling has commenced. Uh, I, so I like get to write about really cool iOS apps, and then I also get to play with what is officially titled professional creative apps, but is basically the kind of thing where if you want to shoot a movie or if you want to take a photo or if you want to draw something, uh, I get to cover all of that sort of stuff. So I have lots of styluses in my apartment where I get to draw on the he iPad. I get to spend half of my day sometimes drawing fun pictures, which is pretty fun, uh, or taking photos or filming silly videos. Uh, it's 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 pretty much like Chris said the best job ever. Also, you edit books, right? Also, I, mean, you, I edit books. books. I do. I do. edit MacWorld Super Guide series um, and do other stuff too. When I'm and and the pa- the podcast, lots of stuff. Uh, I'm actually one of the few people who does more editing than writing. I, I like to pretend I'm keeping an eye on what everybody else is doing. But that's mostly just making suggestions, and then when they turn something in, I say, that's really good. Uh, <laughs> He's great at that. That's, that's, that's mostly what I do. And also, I pick up, you know, if there's some stuff that has to be done that 
nobody else has time to do. That's my job. He also so, is our boss. So. He's also yeah. He's our yeah. boss. He's very modest. Well. <laughs> Uh, I edit lots of stuff Um, I mainly do a lot of news so when you read stories about what apps just came out or when Apple does something and introduces a new product I either write or edit those Um, I also do our what are called opinion pieces so when people tell you what they think about something and are like here's a cool idea I think Apple might want to do uh, I edit a lot of those, our analysis pieces, when people look at news and say, like, hey, this is what this means. This is really exciting because this could lead to this and this and this. Um, I edit the iOS central section of the magazine. So a lot of the stuff that other people write about iOS in general, I get to uh, take a look at a lot of that. And I'm also the editor for The Macalope, who some of you might have heard of. Um, there's a fan. That's good. Dan Morin, so, are you the Macalope? I am not the Macalope, but I am the Macalope's editor, which is more the That may have been the Macalope clapping right there. Um, and I do a podcast that's not directly on Macworld, but uh, clockwise. We post it to Macworld We post it to Macworld, but it's more of a general technology podcast. So, yeah, lots and lots of things. Jason, sure. what do you edit? Uh, well, I, I host the Clockwise podcast with you, and then I you actually, actually, edit, that I actually edit that podcast and post it. Um, uh, I'm writing opinion pieces for Macworld a couple, a couple times a month. Uh, other stuff as it comes up. I, a lot of my job these days is I edit our budget. <laughs> I edit our human resources department. I edit She's our... She's not interested in that. Come on. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> right, I, Jason I, is all well, of our they're bosses. Talking about, they're right. talking about, about their kids learning to read and write. I, my daughter just was in the app camp for girls session over there, which was fantastic. And she's not going to, this writing stuff, forget it. It's going to be app development all the way. It's yeah. the, the, a much more, uh, much more successful career path than any of us, I think, in that, in that field. So she can, she can feed me in my old age. Um, but uh, so I do that I, and I write uh, stories as they, as they come about Apple stuff. I do a lot of the reviews of Apple products when they come out. And... Um, a, a funny thing about how we work is we have a chat room called Hip Chat where we all are every day. And a lot of times what will happen is a story will come in and somebody will say, can somebody look at this? And so all of us are in, in that position as peers of, of essentially editing somebody else's work and say, yeah, I'll take a look at that. And you open up the story and you check and make sure it makes sense and you change things if you think they need changed. And we all sort of do that just day in and day out so I do some of that sometimes too there's a lot of editing editing is important yeah everybody everything we write somebody else looks at it everybody's got an editor even I, I sometimes I talk about writing a story about a new iPhone or something and I say I'm going to hand it into my editor and they say aren't you the editor and it's like everybody needs an editor everybody has an editor it doesn't matter who you are and all of our stuff gets looked at by somebody else or we would say crazy things and that's not good we got to fix those um, my name is John Smith and my question is, um, what do you predict as uh, the next Apple product to uh, come to market? And uh, when do you expect that to happen? Thank you. The next Apple product. You mean like the next revolutionary like product? new product? Or just any product? Okay, the next game changer oh. possibly product. All the stuff that they have now is kind of boring, you know. It's just, <laughs> you know, a rehash of product. And, uh, yeah. you know, what about an Apple Watch or a new Apple TV or, you know, the iPhone 6? Any of that stuff. I'll point okay. out, I'll point out how, that they're the first or second most valuable company by stock valuation making their boring products. So they're, they're happy to bore us and take all the money. 
while we're bored here, take our money, boring, take our money, more boring. Well, I see, Jason said just the other day that if Apple doesn't make a smartwatch in 60 days. Doomed. They're doomed. doomed. <laughs> it's over. You might as well. I think it's like 57 days now, Dan. That's true. That's so. true. Time has gone by. <laughs> the, I don't know. I was, we were saying at the keynote that um, one of the things about people getting really excited about smartwatch is wearables market is not going to be a fraction. It's going to be a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what the smartphone market is. And although the smartphone market is boring and the tablet market is boring because we've left that period where there's some crazy new thing every six months and now it's really great and everybody relies on it and they just keep incrementally improving and that can be boring to some people. That's a, those are huge markets and wearable devices are an interesting new market but they're going to be like one thirtieth the size of the smartphone market. So anybody expecting Apple to come up with a product in the next, I would say even five years that is going to create a new market that's the size of the smartphone market don't, get, don't wait around. It's well, not going to happen. There will be things that add to the ecosystem around smartphones and tablets but it's not going to be that you know, th- those things are generational. Th- those things yeah. don't come, come out every five years. I, I think we've been fooled by the fact that, like, these, the iPhone and the iPad came out in such close proximity. Yeah. Even really, the iPod, very, for that matter. Right, they're very, very similar. But, and even the iPod, which I think was a big deal strategically for where Apple was, but in the grand yeah. scheme of things, did not end up being, like, the hugely... It's not with us it, that it, much today, right? Like, most of us and, have moved on to even iPhones. at its highest, it was not anything like the size of the smartphone market. Right, yeah. and so I think the smartphone market and the Mac slash PC market there are the sort of the two big revolutions, and those are, you know, 25 years apart. So I think that these things don't happen as frequently as we think. We see smaller products that sort of come along in the meantime, uh, and I think Apple's had some really successful products when it's come to things like the the iPod and uh, the app, even the current Apple TV, which I really like. Uh, and I, I really want to see an update to that Apple TV. I'm hoping that there will be something probably soon. I, my guess is that might, a, a, again, it may not satisfy the conditions of being a revolutionary product, but that is the space that is kind of the youngest and most immature among all the products they currently sell and stands to have, it has the most room to be improved, whereas... You know, the iPhone, there's certainly improvements to be made, but it's, it's getting more and more to the mature end of the market. The, the changes that we see every year become more and more incremental. They're better, and, but in the same way that your Mac maybe these days, you know, uh, my Mac's three years old and I have no reason to upgrade it right now. It still does everything I want to do. Um, I think that we're reaching a closer point with that for the smartphone. So I, I want to see them do some more work in the TV area because there's a lot more potential there. Yeah, I do think that people are, when they talk about Apple and its, its innovations, they keep looking for a device, right? I want something that I strap to myself or I mount on the wall or I put somewhere. And, and I do think that Apple is capable of making these game-changing uh, advances, but it may be with the technology that we have now. For example, and I've been beating this drum forever, but financial services. To be able to pay with a device when you walk into a building because iBeacon is turned on, it knows your information, you scan a barcode or it just knows the barcode is there and you purchase it and you walk out and you don't pay anybody for it. Uh, I mean, you pay them for it, but you don't have to go through <laughs> the line at Costco. You know, you heard it here. Or, uh, you know, delivery of, of television content, right? We, we've got this cable model or this satellite model where we pay 99 dollars a month or more and we get everything in the world. I think that Apple is slowly moving toward this a la carte model where we can cut that cable and where a couple of years from now we may look back on, that was crazy that we paid, it's like walking into a restaurant, right? And 
and they say, here's all the food we have, <laughs> and we're putting it in front of you, and it costs you $100. Instead of saying, no, I, actually, I just wanted, I wanted the Kung Pao chicken. No, you get everything, and that's what you're going to pay for. Well, well, like the model of, I mean, things that you think are ridiculous now that were commonplaces, uh, does anybody else still get a giant yellow book thrown on their doorstep every year? Right. It's like, wow, a giant book where I can look up the numbers of everybody who lives here. Or I could just go on the internet. Yeah. Like it's, these models become outmoded, right? right? And I think Chris is absolutely right. Yeah, well, and, and Apple has space in those areas to, to get it, right? I mean, we think back about how huge the iPod was. But the real thing from that Apple era that was revolutionary was iTunes and the store and how easy it is to get content. And it, that came about initially because there was this device called the iPad and they came out with a store to, that basically figured out how to get stuff for it. And now we've, the iPad is gone, essentially. Not gone, but it is essentially gone. Uh, but we still have iTunes. And I think what Chris is saying is right, just figuring out e-commerce and figuring out tele, you know, content delivery those Sur- are the places services where the, which in many right. places have not been their traditional strong right. suit but in some places there's, they've been very successful right. yeah. there's been a lot there's a lot of room for them to innovate there and to figure it out well and there's some there's some space there and they also need to worry about international delivery as well when we're talking about specific time points and i know that was part of your question was when and how do you think they that they're going to be delivered uh, I think the three things that people are looking for right now are Apple TV, mythical iWatch, and iPhone 6. Uh, but you also have to remember that going along with that is iOS, Mac OS 10, new Macs, any other accessories that Apple is working on. And traditionally, all of those latter categories get refreshed almost every year. So when you look at the calendar, we assume we're going to see something at WWDC Probably the introduction and previewing of OS X and a new iOS, possibly a new iPhone, possibly a new refresh of an Apple TV, possibly a mythical iWatch. Whether or not they get all of those things into one, one and a half hour keynote, probably not no. going to happen. But uh, <laughs> we, we can only, you know, guess as to what products are going to go where. But Apple is only, you know, it's only a human company made up of human engineers. There's only so many things that they can do in And a so year. much more and of the what they're th- doing depends on relationships with other companies now, yeah. too. So. And, and the other thing is, is that Apple's never been about innovation and creating new products just for its own sake. They make products that make a lot of money, and they're very successful at that. I mean, this book came out haunted... Haunted Empire. Haunted Empire. Don't buy it. It's not very good. <laughs> but I think that book and some other places, they, they make the comparison with Google. And the thing is, Google can come out with all kinds of stuff like Google Glass and other things. They don't have to make money on it. They can, they, their, their business model can produce stuff like that without having to make money. Apple doesn't work that way. And so there's a whole different sort of sense of what innovation is at Apple that other companies may not have to deal with. And to take, take your question on in the most literal terms... 12-inch Retina MacBook Air, May. <laughs> and I will say that... Boom! I'm look it up. It'll totally be wrong. But that's, there you if go. someone wants to put money down, I'll bet you there will be an iPhone 6 in September, October. October. Yeah, September. September. So I, I'm, I'm happy to throw some money on that one. That's a bold prediction. I will, I'll say Apple TV update new hardware sometime in the next couple months. I'm All with right. you there. Okay, and a real live television, never, ever, ever. Never. Uh, never going to happen. It just not, doesn't make it with the model. Makes no sense. Apple's model is they want to flip technology every two years. You're not going to flip your TV at, every two at years. At the keynote, Ben, ben Maharan said, 
you know, you've got smart you've got smart devices and dumb glass. And the people who make TVs want their TVs to be smart, but the fact is they're going to be dumb, they're going to look really great, you're going to keep one on your wall for five years or ten years, and everything else should be in that box that you can hook up because you can buy a new box every couple of years. Right, right. Next question, sir. Uh, so my name's Claude. Hi, Claude. Uh, Hi, Claude. Hi, Claude. This is sort of off where you haven't been. We love it. Um, <laughs> so I do video editing. Uh, and I wonder if any of you guys use Final Cut Pro X. Um, I actually use it. I've kind of learned to love it. Uh, I still wonder if it will develop into something that, let's say, the Hollywood level uh, editors learn to love. Um, and, and frankly, I don't see much about Final Cut Pro X in, in uh, Macworld. So I can speak to that a little bit. I, uh, I'm a big Final Cut Pro person. Before I worked at Macworld, I worked in the film industry very briefly. Um, Final Cut Pro 10 is really, really hard to write about uh, with the exception of big updates because our core audience wants to know more about the basic Mac ecosystem and what's going on. And Final Cut Pro always has been a very sort of niche product for Apple. I think it's awesome, just like I think Logic is awesome. I think while a lot of people were upset about the move to Final Cut Pro 10, I think it's a good roadmap for them. And the um, NAB show is, I think, next week or in two weeks or maybe this weekend. It's in the, the next, uh, this, this general time, and it's possible that Apple might showcase something there. It's possible that Apple might continue to just roll out these point updates but um, the company is working very closely with professional editors to make sure that this new path is going in the direction that they're, you know, they want professional editors to keep on using Final Cut. They didn't just revamp the program because they wanted to make iMovie, you know, more accessible for the advanced crowd. Like, they are still interested in the pro market. They just realized we can only, you know, just like when they were working with uh, OS 9, you know, we can only go on this path for so long and eventually the road's going to run out in front of us and we're going to find ourselves, you know, walking on a tightrope or we can build a new bridge. And uh, the building of the bridge, just like we've seen with the new iWork suite, takes, a, takes some time to put all of the features and all of the bricks back onto the bridge. Um, but it will get there. I have faith that it will. Um, I've really, really been impressed with the iterations that Apple is making in Final Cut Pro. They have put a lot of features back with each successive iterative release. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. In terms of how-tos and tips and things like that, I would love to do that, but right now our, our readership, unfortunately, doesn't support a lot of things. However, yeah. there are plenty of great websites you can go to that are more... Yeah, I mean, the, the, our readers are... What they have in common is that they're using the platform. Um, if we write an article about some professional tool, it's going to reach 1% of the readership. It makes it very hard for us to write about that stuff. And if we do, we can never write enough to satisfy somebody. We're never going to be the definitive place to write about Final Cut Pro because we need to address a broader audience. So that, that's why we end up often sticking to, with the exception of sort of product releases, sticking to the big picture, because whether you're a video editor or a writer or a, a photographer or somebody else who uses their Mac, you've got this base level of things that all of those people care about, whereas the pro, to, the pro apps are 
um, a very narrow group. And so it's, you know, even if we write about it occasionally, it's never going to be at the level to satisfy somebody who wants to read about that stuff because it's just we have to be broader than that. Right. Both Jason and I edit podcasts. And so, you no, know, we could write about podcast editing till the cows come home, but because the, we love it, but. the 30 people who edit podcasts would love that. And we hear from them. And yeah. the other 99.9% of the audience would be like, whatever. Yeah. It's or, not podcast world. I, I should point out we are doing a story about editing podcasts. We are. In an upcoming a issue. A story, mm-hmm. right? Well, whereas Chris least, and I would just take over and every issue would be about at, that. At so. least mention Final Cut Pro when you do your... <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you. Thanks. So my apologies if this has been answered already, but uh, there's a strange paradox where Apple's bigger, you know, the biggest company in the world, possibly, or number one, number two, there are more Apple users in the world than there ever have been in the history of Apple. Yet, paradoxically, here at Macworld, it's kind of small. The hall's mostly empty. It's a smaller Macworld, you know, it, you know since, uh, as far as I can sort of remember, certainly Apple is no longer here. And my question for you is... Sort of, what's the future of MacWorld, or does it does it have a future? And why is there this weird disconnect with the huge number of Apple users and the small number of exhibitors and attendees at MacWorld? Let me well, let me answer uh, that question in one very simple word: the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest the biggest change that we've seen in the I mean the history of MacWorld. Right? It used to be this was the place you had to come in order to see the other people who were interested in the things you're interested in. These days, and, we, and to see the products that you're right, interested yeah, right. in, and these, days, and these days with things like email, uh, web groups, discussion groups, Twitter, Twitter Facebook, Facebook, you know, there's it's really easy to find Mac App with Store. Interest. Then you combine that with things like the App Store, the Mac App Store, Apple stores, you know, physical Apple stores, Amazon. It's a lot easier to get products. It's a lot easier to find people that are interested in these things. Well, and I, let me let me give the yeah. disclaimer too. This is ask yeah. the editors. Um, not ask the trade show people. We actually, IDG, the company that owns Macworld, also owns IDG World Expo, and they do the show. So we yeah, can, it's clear, we can it's answer as... Not an, I actually want your opinion. Yeah, we can answer as observers. Expo people of, sort of, what yes. is the future of, of Macworld Expo, not Macworld Magazine, ah. or Macworld yeah, yeah. website, or Macworld.com? Yeah, just, just, just to make it clear that we, we are sort of yeah. related to and yet not the yeah, people yeah. who actually yeah, do just it. As, so as Mac fans and members of the sure. community, like, what's the future of Macworld Expo, well, or what well, should it be? Actually, you, can, you can see them trying to make it more about the community. Yeah. I mean, there are Comic-Cons and sci-fi conventions all over the world. Um, those are people who have a community of interest. There is no reason why that shouldn't be the case for technology uh, and for Apple stuff. And that's what when Paul Kent, who does this conference, has tried, you know, the ultimate iFan event, right? I mean, trying to make it more about that and less about, I need to go there because that's the only place I can see interesting products because the internet has changed that game. So they're, they're trying very hard to transform this, especially since Apple left a few years ago, into something very different. Now, at the time that Apple abandoned Macworld Expo, there was the thought like, well, that's it. The, it's over. And instead, what you're seeing is it's still here, and they are turning it into something different. That, that process is still happening in, right in front of us. It, it, it's going to be something different than it is now. Also, Apple kind of won is the other thing I'd say. is you, you know, yeah. it, It's hard to be a special interest when everybody's interested in it, yeah. which is sort of where we are. Yeah, that's, what I, that's what I was going to say, is that it used to be the number of people who used Apple products was a minority and there was this sort of community we're like, we're together, together you know, I've got to go to Macworld to be with my brethren. But now, I mean, hundreds of millions of people are using Apple devices, and most of them don't even think of it as 
I have something in common with you. Let us bond. Yeah, I'm not in the community of Apple users. I right. just have an iPhone, right? Yeah. It's just they don't even think about it that way. Every so that's coffee a, that's shop a, is yeah. a Mac world now. Yeah. And that's a challenge for the Expo folks, too, I think. And, and like Jason said, this is a learning thing. They're learning each year what can we do to make this the kind of event that people want to come to and enjoy. As a community and event, which right. is, I think, what it has to be. Right. And, but I'll also say that as, a, as somebody who covers the, covers the Apple ecosystem, I actually have grown to really like the show, the way it's developed, because particularly things like Appalooza, where every year I meet some new vendor there that I didn't know about before that has something, they're doing something interesting. And it's sort of like, you know, when the, the comet hit and the dinosaurs went away, a lot of little animals <laughs> scurried around. So <laughs> Apple leaves and all these little vendors come out and you get to see what they're doing. Apple sucked the oxygen out of Macworld Expo. Yeah. And I, I know that that's sort of like uh, almost heretical to say yeah. that. But people would come to Macworld Expo. They would, they would try to get to see the, the Steve Jobs keynote. They would come down to the show floor, maybe, and look at the Apple booth and they would leave. People who were attendees and the press, right? And the same press that said, oh, well, Macworld Expo will be totally irrelevant after Apple leaves were the people who largely didn't do it Macworld Expo. They went to it as an Apple event and to, saw Apple and then took off. And so it is refreshing to go out there and see all of these people who have interesting products and not have it just be, well, it's really all about how close you are to the Apple booth in the center of the hall. Right. Um, and Apple, from Apple's perspective, yeah, it was kind of like a big Apple store. It wasn't really necessary anyway. Right. I mean, the, the, there's always been a duality because there is the trade show part of it and then there's the conference part of it. And I think the part that is more interesting in, in the long term is the conference part of it because there is an element of there are people you can see and things you can learn that you can't necessarily learn in other places. Um, the trade show part, I think, is cool because there is the opportunity to see things you can't see before. But, you know, I, I think making those conference things more accessible by having, you know, this stage and the, the second stage over there in the same room as the trade show, it's, it's helpful to have more exposure. There's more programming. And I think that's really where it comes to is, is a matter of Socializing, you know, we're all social creatures. We want to come and talk to people about things that we are really interested in, and not uh, just on Twitter, right? And, it, and as far, as long as that is interesting to people, I think there will continue to be a Mac and World Expo. I like to meet those people on Twitter. I see them here. That's the funny it's thing. It's pretty cool. <laughs> people, I, I recognize people by their avatars or their screen names. That's crazy. So, um, <clears throat> sort of like um, what the last guy said, but like, is it a lot of people don't come to MacWorld anymore because they just want to see Apple, now they go to WWDC, and why'd Apple leave Macworld in the first place? So. Well, not a lot of people go to WWDC because the passes cost $1,500 and they're sold out in six minutes. Right, and it's, it's very developer And it's for heavy, developers. Right? So, I mean, even several of us go to WWDC, most of us go to the keynote, and then I've gone to other and sessions then we go to the parties afterwards. and my, my, my eyes glaze over pretty yeah. quickly because it's very technical. And and Apple likes to say that what uh, you know, Apple stores do ten Macworlds right. a day or something like that. I mean, that's part of it. Um, why did Apple leave? Apple left because Apple realized it could call with seven days' notice a press event and get all the technology press in the world to come to it to announce their products instead of having to time their product releases to match a Macworld Expo date that was set five years in advance. Right. They could. I mean, they didn't want to run into situations where it's like you know, oh, it's January. And Apple's at Mac. What do we got? They have nothing to announce. Like, right. oh, the Apple is doomed. They did that in that New really York. Stopped them. In New York, they did that one year. They kind of didn't have anything because something got delayed and they didn't have anything. And so they gave a keynote where they reiterated their product line and then about how processors work. And then they ran away. <laughs> Look over there. And they ran away. 
<laughs> and and so, the, in fact, what's happened, if you look at other trade shows and other tech companies, is lots of tech companies now do what, have realized that what Apple did is the right way to do it, which is we don't need to be attached to a trade show. If you're a big enough name, like Samsung does this, Amazon does this, Microsoft does this, you just call an event and Google? people come. Yeah. And Google does it Google all the time. Google doesn't have anything to show at trade shows anyway. Yeah, exactly. So... So the world has changed. The internet has changed things, like we said before. That's why Apple left, though, is Apple didn't, Apple didn't need to be here. Apple, you know, has its stores, and it can call an event to announce things. And, he, you know, they call them keynotes. What are they keynoting? They're not keynoting anything except the WWDC now. Keynote is like the opening thing that starts an event. Macworld had a keynote. Now Apple makes these keynotes happen. That they really just call them special they're events. They're special events. Yeah. They, don't need, they don't need to tie to an event. They just declare that they're making an announcement and everybody comes so they don't you know they can do that on their own schedule with a couple weeks notice which is what they do unless so you move back if we move backward to like september october maybe they'd come back <laughs> we could stalk we could stalk them last year they actually did a product announcement the week of macworld which was hilarious because like guys you could just right here i got a stage you drop can, by say we'll, hi. Hook, we'll hook you up but that didn't happen oh what do you think is the best software firewall for mac os Go get them, Dan. The one that's built in. <laughs> yeah. The Pretty one much. that's built in is fine. I mean, okay. for most people, I think that's, that's the short, easy answer. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does 90% of what you need it to do. There are some other tools. I'm trying to remember what the other ones are that are Built uh, in firewall around. is on the security? Security, security pane. Pane and, yeah. and system preferences? Yeah. And if, and if you need finer control, there are a few um, uh, third-party apps. Water, water roof? Oh, yeah, right. Was there one called like water? A, well, there's water something. Yeah. Wasn't there one called the, Brick House or something? Well, that's the old version. Oh, that's it's the old now, yeah, okay. It's called Waterroof or something like that. And it essentially gives you a, a, an interface toward to tweak the firewall. But I, right, I, I was going to say, the, it turns, there are incredibly powerful firewall tools because it's built on BSD, which is essentially Unix, right? Unix. So there's incredibly powerful tools. They're just not exposed because setting them up is real huge Right. App, Apple just has a button that you click it and it turns on this one set of settings but if you know what you're doing, you can go in there and tweak that, too. So unless you've got some very specialized need, there's really no need to get a third-party firewall from yeah. OS X. Yeah, you there's can, the incoming versus outgoing yeah, problem. But, that is one point that... that yeah. But I think, again, there are some possibilities there to do that. There are tools to tweak If you that, can yeah. get into the command line stuff, they just... Apple doesn't bother right. with most of it. And it is water roof is the name. Water roof. The, yeah, I was going to say roof rat, but I know that's probably... <laughs> that's not it. King, <laughs> King rat. <laughs> rat, uh, rat roof. Sorry. Uh, hi, my name is Arthur, and I'm an app developer of an app called Fibo. And I'm curious, with a million, over a million apps on the App Store now, what makes an app worth writing about for you guys? What a that's fine, a, that's yeah. a great oh, question. Yeah. Okay, time to go. <laughs> we, struggle, um, we struggle with this every day. Yeah, yeah well, so, this is a big question. Yeah, you do yeah, a lot. I would say, my, so I just started writing um, a new iOS column on our site called Staff Picks, um, which was originally designed as an idea as a place for us to write about apps that we really had some time to play with, uh, and I think that's really uh, what I like seeing is give it, like getting an app, um, either seeing it on a site or seeing it from someone I I trust and I uh, I know has good taste, or getting a press release that does not read like a press release. So going out of your way to show me why the app is better um, than the 20 other productivity apps in the same, you know, in the same category. Show me why it's interesting to my specific needs. Um, I had someone uh, for Fitstar, which is a fitness app, uh, email me and say, you know, like, 
I know you're a big roller derby person, and I imagine you must practice a bunch of times a week. Our app is designed for people who only have seven or eight minutes to do strength training, um, but you can sort of integrate it, and then if you want more. And I'm like, thank you for taking the time to actually not creepily research what I'm into, but like just enough, yeah. just enough Trust. to... Do not to, creepily stalk. Yeah, to make it personal. Stalk you in a nice way. Yeah, make it personal, make it interesting. Give me images, uh, give me links to everything I could possibly need to ask you about, and don't write follow-up emails being like, did you get this? Just circling we, back. Yeah. We, say, yeah. we could do a whole session on how to pitch the press. And how not to, how not yes. to pitch In the fact, press. In fact, Erica yes. Sadoon from Two Out has written a wonder... Is it Erica who wrote a wonderful book on, on um, Pitch Perfect, how to pitch yeah. people? And that, that is a great book, and I definitely but, but, recommend I mean, it. I think the bigger thing is you're right, discoverability for us... I, for myself, I see, I see people tweet about things on, on Twitter or on Facebook, mention them. We do get plenty of press releases, and the, the well-written ones stand out. Um, I see them on other sites. We have colleagues in the industry who write about stuff. We hear about them that way. I do, hear, I do see stuff on the App Store when new stuff comes out in the featured things. Yeah. I think the simple, unfortunately, the, the simplest answer to give, which is the same if you're talking about like books or movies or anything like that, is write a great app. Like, and that's, it, it sounds kind of like crappy to say because it's yeah. like, you know, obviously, but that really is what it comes down to is the stuff that we hear about often ends up being the stuff that's really great. And if you take the time to, I mean, coming up with a great idea is obviously tough. And if you did, but if you do that and you can implement on it and show that I have really thought this all through and I'm paying attention, I'm really passionate about it and I am working really hard on this, it, you know, I think a lot of that shines through. And people respond to that, you know, just from the user perspective. And we are tapped into that community. We, we listen to what the users say. And so if people come and say, hey, we've been looking, like five people come to me and say, hey, I just played this game or I, I just made, you know, started using this app. I'm going to pay attention yeah. to that. Yeah, not to circle back to threes. But... Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I am it. not a huge iOS game player. And in general, <laughs> you, I try you and think. keep. Yeah, yeah, no, I try and keep um, staff picks away from games largely because we have a, a sister column on TechHive called You Should Play. Uh, but seven people over the course of two weeks wrote about threes in my Twitter, on my RSS feeds, friends even in real life saying, I can't get enough of this game. And I sat down with five, for five minutes with it. I'm like, it's two bucks on the App Store, three bucks, whatever. Um, five minutes, I'm completely hooked. But it took the seventh or eighth mention of it for me to actually give it a look and not be like, it's an iOS game. I have no time for iOS games. I can't possibly play this. It took only five minutes to get her hooked. It's going to take considerably longer to get her unhooked. Yeah, yeah. We're still working on it. It's a long tail. It, I, I would say, uh, we're talking about press releases. The standard traditional press release format of, you know, XXX Software announced today that they released their thing. It's a unique uh, high-tech solution for... You fall asleep by sentence two. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I think all of us would much prefer saying, hi, I have a new app that does this. It's cool because of this, which is not like other things. Or it's like this thing you've heard of, but we did this thing. And not like, we, but it's, it's, it's got a unique spin, but like it's different because of this. The, the more we get the facts and don't have to in, try to interpret, try to guess why it matters, the better. There, yeah. there is this whole, I think because bad PR... Not all PR, but bad PR has led to the obfuscating of uh, what the product actually is, oftentimes because the product is bad, and so they're trying to make you think it's interesting when it's not. It, it's so much more effective to say, 
I've got a new, I've got a new app. It does this. It's different because of this. Here's what it looks like. Here's a link to all the information about it. That, that's like so refreshing when I get something like that. Because that's what we want to know. Specific, yeah. blunt, thorough, like... I've I've set up specific filters within my email. <laughs> Chris the, is notorious. I'm the among worst all person us, in the I world think. to pitch. If if your email message contains the words game changer, revolutionary, <laughs> or innovative, they're automatically deleted. Which, which, I don't even see them. Oh, which, is, which is why all of Apple's press yeah, releases that's why, are gone. That's why Chris doesn't get invited to Apple events. Right. That's also why Chris doesn't write news. And again, if you if you circle back with me, you are dead to me. <laughs> so, don't circle back. Worse yet, if you call me... Oh, yeah, that's, that's a big red Just calling to make sure you got my email from yeah, I, earlier make, today. Calling to make sure that you got my circling back to the email that I sent last week about my game-changing product... I'm going to have somebody hunt you down and break your kneecaps. <laughs> so just so you know, that's... Fair uh, warning. Chris Breen, ladies and gentlemen. Just, that's how I work. <laughs> uh, what I will say is the formula for su- success, regardless of what kind of app you make, make sure that it has at least six tiles on it, and one has the number one on it, and the other one's <laughs> the number two, and if you can slide it over and make the number three... You've got a hit. I don't care what your app does. Beyond it's a, that, it's a I know you're going to get coverage for at least one person. I, great spreadsheet, by the way. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to get that image of trying to slide one of the threes on Ren's jersey into the other three to make a six out of my mind now. <laughs> never, ever. So, uh, basically, what we've told you is it's really, really hard. Does that help? But what, I mean, yeah, I mean we feel guys, but, it's, uh, it's, it's a real know. dilemma because we want and to now cover you this won't. stuff. And there's so much. It's very hard. So how we, do you break through the noise? I have 6,000. Check it out. <laughs> I have 6,000 requests in my reviews request mailbox right now. <laughs> and, I mean, I would like to look yeah. through at yeah. every single one of them, but I, I physically can't. And I can only try so many apps per week, Definitely. you know, to get them on there. And, He's and got try four out. phones. I know. <laughs> I got the family trying. It, 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 so, it, yeah, it's a big hurdle, and I wish we, get, we had a better solution for it. But well, get that's your a great answer. Thank you, guys. Get sure. your app in the hands of influencers who tweet a lot. I'll do yeah. my best. It's an Apple TV-focused app, but uh, I'll leave cool. it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That was a good job good trying to pitch us right here live. But. <laughs> no better time. Don't worry, we're going to go edit that podcast right away. And I was about to pitch. Uh, any other questions? Yeah, can you please come to the microphone and we'll. Oh, go for it. We like quick ones. No, That's we got great. time. We're just we're yeah. kind of blowing oh, off okay. the next session completely. Yeah, because the next session is also us. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm the type of person that does one thing over and over and over again. And when you change technology for me, it's just too much in my, my life. So. I was talking to upgrading. I have a four, upgrading the iOS. I guess iOS seven, iOS whatever. Yeah. yeah, it was the worst thing I yeah. could have done. Yep. I just don't get it. I was using the calendar. I loved the calendar. Now I'm trying to find a new app for a calendar. That my I didn't see TV until I was nine years old. So my brain is not wired to the technology. And there are a lot of us older people. I'm 71. Older people who are using these things, what do we do? It's not just made for the younger population. It's a real dilemma. I mean, it's true. I mean, I have. We this, have money to spend. Well, I have this. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have this issue with uh, you know, my, my mom is the same thing. She she upgraded. And she was like, eh, I don't know about this new yeah. iOS. And I mean, to her credit, she's done a very good job of like getting comfortable with it. But yeah, I. I I know a lot of people who express the similar sentiment about 
I like this the way it was. And, and on the one hand, you know, I am sympathetic, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to stop Apple from from moving forward and doing what they're going to do because they're a giant company. Well, part of it is iOS seven point one. By the way, the update to iOS seven is a little bit faster on the iPhone four. So if you were like, oh, I upgraded to seven, I don't want to upgrade anymore. The latest upgrade actually does help a little bit. My mom's seventy. My mom's seventy-four and also has an iPhone four running iOS seven. So I have had this conversation. Yeah. And it, Fantastical, by the way, is a really great yeah. calendar it is app. Fantastical. Fantastical. Check it out. Well, we, really uh, part of it is it, we, we have to train ourselves with a certain amount of self-discipline. That even though Apple, you know, that little icon shows up and saying, hey, there's an update to, um, and at the risk of, of pimping our site, it's worthwhile to wait before you say, yeah, go ahead and do that. See what we have to say about it. Because we do these sort of... Um, you know, road tests on these things and say, yeah, this is what it looks like. This is what you're going to experience. If you have an older iPhone, this is going to run terribly on here, which we did say about iOS 7 and, and, and the iPhone 4 and, yeah. and said, don't upgrade. But, the, but Apple really, really, really wants you to upgrade. And so the, the temptation is always, yeah, do it. One thing I would do, with, regardless of what kind of Apple device you have, is turn off automatic updates. Because oftentimes things get pushed to you if you have that on, and then you go, well, I don't like this. I preferred what I had before. And Apple, unfortunately, particularly on iOS, doesn't allow you to roll back. Once you've committed to that, you're stuck. And so the best you can do really is stay informed. And I hear Macworld.com is an excellent place to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, well, I, well put, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're... Yeah, so yeah. you were, you were oh, waiting to upgrade. So I'll rephrase what she was saying. Yeah. To, for the, I, I couldn't hear her, so... Oh, you were, so you were waiting to upgrade, and you upgraded a couple of months ago because some of your apps were no longer working and they needed to upgrade. Yeah, yeah. that is a problem when you're moving from mail, major iOS version to iOS version. Yeah. What Chris was saying, um, we do... Uh, one of our main core missions at Macworld is to take things like updates, whether it's OS 10, iOS, and write them down in plain speak for everybody to understand exactly what's changing. We do one on like system preferences, which is literally every single thing in the system settings that's changed so you can make sure, oh, I'm losing this, or oh, this thing is being moved into a different direction. And I would also plug, I think I've plugged the Apple Store already, but the Apple Store employees, especially the creatives, are really, really knowledgeable about this stuff and are more than willing to work with people one-on-one. -on -one. If you come in and you're like, I really, like, I need, to, like, why doesn't my calendar work anymore? Where is this button that I need? They, I mean, it is their job to sit down and go over it with you, and they're not going to try and sell you something. They're, they're there to help educate their customers and their users. So definitely, yeah, taking... Taking advantage of Macworld, taking advantage of the Apple stores, taking advantage of your friends who are more technically savvy. Like there, there are definitely support tools. Yeah. So my question is: too many devices, too much time spent keeping them all in sync and all updated. Are we ever going to get to a world where we just have one hard drive called an iPhone? We plug it in a dock when we want to watch TV. We plug it in a one with a keyboard when we want to type email. I mean. Why do we have to have? Why do I have to have an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, which I don't use anymore, um, a MacBook, and a desktop Mac? 
Well, the short answer is it depends. You don't necessarily need to have all well, those Well, that's the ones we have to spend money on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But, you know, is there, but, is there a world where my I, if I decide I do want, unlike Jason Snell, one of the do on a iWatch or some sort of fitness thing, I don't have yet another device I have to keep in sync and have to keep updated. Is there is there a world like that? Yes, there is. Although they, you won't plug anything in because it'll all be wireless. But but yeah, we, there is no doubt that in the next five or ten years, you know that most of your computing is going to get it, it's either going to get focused in one device that you might have in your pocket or wherever, and it's like on the cell network, and it's really intelligent, and then it throws things onto screens wherever you are. Or all of these devices will become so small and interconnected that you'll have no devices. All your devices just sort of know where everything is. The problem right now is like only some of them are on the internet because of the cell network versus Wi-Fi versus just sort of being trapped somewhere where you've got no signal. the syncing stuff is still not really great, not just from Apple, but from everybody, especially from Apple, but really from everybody. So we're in the throes of this. I do think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and in five years or ten years, everything, it's not going to matter whether one of your devices is smarter than the other, because they're all going to be in sync, and they're all going to be working together. But we're in the, the muddled middle here, where right now, you know, my, rather than just using my iPhone's uh, power and internet connection to power my iPad and let my iPad be dumb. My iPad has to be a duplicate of the processor and all of that. Eventually, that won't be necessary, or it will be so irrelevant that they'll all be smart and it won't matter and we won't notice. One of those things or both of those things will happen. But it right now, you know, they're trying. That's what all this sync technology is. iCloud. It just That's doesn't. iCloud It just about. doesn't work That's, well enough. Yeah, yet. it doesn't do everything. Well, it's yeah, Apple's yeah. vision is that you will have iCloud and everything will connect to it and everything will be up there. Yeah, whatever device you pick up will have. We've got a long way but to that's go. It. You know, there are a couple of companies have tried to create these things that are like a, a phone that you take and dock into your keyboard. Like there's some Android guys tried this, yeah. didn't really do it and because a- it, it kind of wasn't. That. And, and you know, Microsoft Surface is another good example of something that tries to do too much. And I think that's the, you know, the counter-argument to the only-have-one-device is, well, there are still places in which different devices are better for different right. things. Apple believes that form, it, form is the thing. So you use an iPad when you want an, to do iPad-like things, and an iPhone when you want to do iPhone-like things, and a Mac when you want to do Mac-like things. And over time, what they want is not to make the Mac look like the iPad or the iPhone. What they want is that if you're on the Mac, you've got all the same stuff that you had on your iPad and your iPhone, and it's completely seamless. The problem is it doesn't work like that right now for lots of reasons, some of which are that it's hard and some of which are that Apple's not very good at it. <laughs> and... You know, we, I, I do believe we will get there. Whether it's Apple or Google or someone else, I do believe we'll get there. And then at that point, you won't really be thinking of like, well, where's the brains of the operation? It'll be like, literally like, if I want to be on this screen, I'll be on this screen. And it It'll won't, all be in the cloud. It's all magical. Right. We will all ascend into the sky well, and be a cloud. The singularity. And that's the challenge is right now, like if you have a Google, the Chrome OS, the idea behind it is that you use everything on the web in whatever device. And the problem is is that it's the least common denominator on every device, yeah, and yeah. it's crappy. And I think the, the ultimate goal is where it'll all be good on all your devices. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're partway there, but I agree with Jason. That's eventually where we're going. Right, I mean, imagine having two Macs, a Mac at home and a Mac at work, and you sit down at either one, 
and it's the same computer like the one you left behind. Yeah. It's like you brought it with you, except you didn't. That's, that's the dream, I'm but it just doesn't, doesn't work. I'm surprised that doesn't exist yeah, yet, frankly. I mean, I've been trying to make that for the last two years. I have an 11-inch MacBook Air that travels with me to things like this Trek show, um, but I also have an iMac and a 15-inch MacBook Pro at home, and what I've been able to sort of hack together so far is using Dropbox yeah. to basically... My 11-inch MacBook Air has my applications that I've installed and the Dropbox master folder that's also on my iMac and my MacBook Pro. And I save everything to that Dropbox. I have a 100-gigabyte subscription plan. And then my MacBook Air, anytime I save something to Dropbox, it pops up on those two computers. It's not perfect, but it's kind of an intermediary solution. And it's that's what we're stuck with right but now. But in five years, Wait, we're going to be like, I can't believe that? I had those sure. files in Dropbox. Yeah. And, uh. Well, also, we were earlier talking about fundamental changes that Apple's made over time, and, and when you look back, you realize, wow, this is totally different. When you talk about carrying all these devices, think what we used to carry. You had a pager, you had a Palm Pilot, you had a cell phone, you had an iPod, you had, I don't even know what, but you had like a bandolier a worth of equipment, a watch. I had a now, chain, chainsaw. Swiss Army a chainsaw. Camera. Your, camera, yeah. right. your iPhone is kind of all those devices now, so you've taken that convergence to put it in one device. The other thing is that look at what Apple used to push. They talked about the digital hub, right? So your computer was the brains of everything, and then everything you owned stretched off it in sort of this octopodal way. They don't even talk about that anymore. What, what the focus has changed to is our stuff. And each device we own, whether it's your Mac or your iPad or your phone, is just a window to your stuff. You don't care where it's stored. You just want to work on your iPad let it go, go to your Mac, and there it is where you left off. You put that down, you go to your iPhone somewhere else, and there's your stuff. So again, big window, medium-sized window, little tiny window, but it's just about your stuff. Right. So if you look back to the digital hub days, that looks... George pretty. Carlin, by the way. Oh, good. That's totally <laughs> prehistoric compared to what, where we are now. So again, if you say, yeah, how, how long is this going to take? Look at the progress we've made. And so it's just a matter of having the appropriate window on, not window TM, but on the window on your stuff to the point where it does sync up beautifully and you just, wherever you are, because of the, the miracle of the ether, there it is. Yeah. And Chris, and Chris makes a great point with the, the digital hub thing, just because I was thinking, remember back when you had to sync all your contacts via iTunes? Like, that was the only way yep. you were going to get your contacts onto your iPhone was via iTunes. And I knew people, like, I would go visit, visit people and they'd be like, oh, I never sync my iPhone with iTunes. You'd be like, oh, dear God, what is, where's your backup? Like, backup? You know, it's, and so now they, it really has, if you look at it, despite its flaws, it, we have come a very long way. Yep. Huge way. Now you're like, you enter something on your Mac and you're like, why isn't it on my iPhone now? And yeah. you're like, refresh, refresh, refresh. Right. World problems. And we use... We use Google Docs. We use Dropbox. I mean, there, there are some... Some of Apple's solutions are not great. Like, a lot of the iCloud file documents, it's like unless you're using an Apple app, essentially yeah. it's useless. Oh, it's horrible. But Dropbox and Google Docs, both of which we use, and are pretty great. And so some of this stuff is there. It's just not the whole picture. And, yeah. you know, and you have to fiddle with it. Like, I, I, I'm just like Ren have things in my Dropbox. It's like, I'm trying to make it that everything's in there. It just isn't quite right yet, yeah. but that's definitely where Apple's going. 
Yeah, yeah. The, network the network is, is the computer. Is the computer. Sun Microsystems. My voice is my password. Yeah. <laughs> Chris okay. said it the way I would want to say it, which is I, I just have one copy of my stuff. I mean, it's backed up, but yeah. when I look at it, it's the same copy I looked at it before. I don't have to kind of remember, is this version one or two, and which version was I editing, and is the one on this device the same as the last one? Yeah, well, well it's and, tricky because... Right now, you're doing that with kludges like Dropbox and Google Docs. Well, you kind of have to because you want... I mean, on the one hand, you say, yeah, I want the most up-to-date thing, but then you say... Oh, well, actually, I want the one I had yesterday. Well, that's gone because you've updated it. So how do you work through the iterations of whatever it was so you have that safety of a backup and also, oops, right. I shouldn't have done that. You want, you want a history, yes. right? Like, right. that's really yeah, important. Yeah, so that's that built in. Dropbox yeah. is version control right. built in. Well, so right. it's always files, right? Yeah, oh, Dropbox has version yeah. control and uh, Maverick and apps have, have uh, version control built in. If you ever go over the title bar and see that little drop-down arrow, when you click on it, you can see browse previous versions and things like preview. If the, all, if the app yeah. supports, if the app supports it. it. And they don't always play well together either, they unfortunately. Do not. <laughs> right. right, so you just kind of have to be careful what you ask for. Um, let's make this the last question. because uh, yes, you. And that's you, because you're the only guy standing there. Hi, my name is Ken. Um, Hello, Chris, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I want to give a shout-out to Jason. Uh, you all got to do a uh, um, Google search. He did an awesome cover of Don't Dream It's Over. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it might get personal the, from David McCreeth from my, Mule Design. Took balls. <laughs> um, I like to do. I like to agree to do things quickly and then regret them for a very long time afterward. That's my plan. But yes, there is me singing on the internet somewhere if you look for it. Wow. Um, my question is: Do you guys have control over the MacWorld site as far as reading on mobile devices? It's becoming really difficult, especially with pop-ups and the slideshows don't usually work and. Sometimes the videos... We have input. Okay. <laughs> yes. We control don't have control. Is, yeah, control is very... What do we send comments to to talk about that? Sitehelp at macworld.com okay. yes. is the email. And you can always... I run our Twitter account with some help from this guy here. Um, you can always send in your complaints, and I am happy happy to send them on to our app development group and our We do really apps. listen to the stuff that gets put in there, and we try to compile information as it comes in. So if, like, 30 people are like, why do your videos autoplay? We're like, yeah, we log all of yes. that, and we send it to the yeah. people who are in charge. Of wonderful like, well, no, hey, that we people, can send this is what over. people think. We're, yeah. we're on the front lines with this stuff, but we aren't the ones who get to decree. I mean, it's, the, it's actually the opposite of how, you know, people who are advertisers don't get to tell us what to write. We also don't get to tell the advertising people at our company what to do and so it's a it's a conversation um, we we have a new president um, I'm encouraged and, and really kind of a new product uh, group that handles building the website and I'm I've got some optimism about some of the stuff that has been added to the site in the last year or two being fi finally being addressed um, so we're working on it as much as we can but there there is a whole a lot of times I get emails that are like, "Well, you should you should make this stop." And it's like I'm not the president of the company. I don't I don't, you know I don't get to say do it differently now. Like, off I do not have that power. You have a button on your desk that says autoplay off. All I can do is talk to the powers that be and try to encourage them and uh, and talk to our team of product managers and uh, site developers about what to prioritize and be a person in the room on that. So we're working on it. There's been some change in the last few months, and I'm hopeful that that will 
make that stuff uh, better. Yeah, in I, addition to being editors of the site, we're also readers of the yeah, site. So, so yeah. we, we think a lot of the same things. There's no you criticism do. you guys haven't you have come up with that we are not yeah. the most vocal proponents of, and, basically. And even though we're the site editors, we are, we are also the de facto customer service people. We have a customer service person, but in reality, when people complain about things on the site, we're the ones who hear about it. Because our names are all over it. So this <laughs> is a point I make oftentimes to the people who make some of these decisions is, you know, you don't, they don't have your name. So. <laughs> we could give them your name. How would you like that? Yeah. We Instead, we say it. site help at Macworld.com. Right. Okay, so uh, today is, uh, oh, if you look at your schedules that were printed out in the guide, you'll see that, that we've gone over time and we've gone into the uh, wrap-up, show wrap-up portion of this. When we uh, launched the, the stage uh, Thursday, uh, the, first, the first session was Welcome to Macworld. Uh, and that uh, that session was about seven seconds long, and it said, uh, welcome, and that was it. And so for the show wrap-up, uh, I'm going to see if we can match that and say thank you very much for coming. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll be back next, next year. Next week? Next week. Not next week. <laughs>